0: early research stories your podcast uncovering stories from influential figures in the field of learning and instruction what motivated them to become researchers what are their next projects and what advice do they have for young researchers of early the european association for research on learning and instruction your host stefan siegel
1: Today's guest in the Early Research Stories podcast is the wonderful Robert Kortz. Robert is an associate professor at the Department of Education at the University of Bergen in Norway and part of the Teaching and Learning in Higher Education research group. Trained as a research psychologist, he finished his PhD in social psychology in 2011 at the University of Würzburg in Germany. Since then, he has worked in academic development at several universities in Germany and Switzerland interrupted by an assistant professor position in educational psychology in Paderborn. He is head of the editorial board of the book series Blickpunkt Hochschuldidaktik – Educational Development in Focus and reviewer for several journals and conferences. He is and was an active part of several professional associations in various roles such as coordinator or treasurer. Robert is involved in research on university teachers and students' emotions the study program level in higher education and on the scholarship of teaching and learning SOTL and has published in national and international journals. In this podcast, he elaborates on his career, his involvement in early and his current and future research. I'm very happy that Robert is here today and I do hope that you enjoy this episode. Because uh, this is a very special episode. I'm currently in Bergen in Norway and we are here together at a professional studio at Media City Bergen, which is a leading international hub for media and technology innovation. A part of their tagline is Empowering Stories, which in my opinion fits very well with the format and the aim of the Early Research Stories podcast. So, hello Robert, how are you doing? Hi Stefan, I'm doing very well. I'm really enjoying this already. It's great that we're here together and thanks for taking the time. I really look forward to our conversation and to your experiences and insights. Let's start with our first thematic area, your personal career, your journey and your motivation for becoming a researcher. Could you tell our listeners and me how
0: and why you started your academic career? Mm. Yeah, I think you already mentioned my PhD in social and motivational research and psychology in Würzburg. This was the start of my career, so to speak. And uh, I started this in 2006, I think, and then finished it finally in 2011. And this was the beginning, yeah. And then, uh, maybe a bit untypically, I decided to leave research, kind of, and go to more practical educational or academic development activities. And this is also what I did then after this. So basically, at the end of my PhD thesis, at the end of this time, I I said to myself, no, I will leave this. I want to stay at the university, but I don't want to be involved in research.
1: That's uh, really interesting to hear. Um, when you think of the beginning of your career, what would you say, what is your most memorable early
0: career accomplishment? Mm. Yeah, I think that actually this decision to, to, to make a decision to leave one, say academic field, and in my case it was social psychology, and to move to another field or to another area still within the university setting but then uh, with really a different focus. I think this is an accomplishment that I think was really not easy to make, but I was very convinced at that time and I'm still convinced, of course, that this was a good decision. Um, and then a uh, another, yeah, maybe, I don't know if this is a typical achievement or, or accomplishment, but actually finding back to research. So. When I worked when I was working in education development at, at a university in Germany, I found the need and I saw the need to, to use research, to do research as well, to actually make education development activities better to improve this and to go, you know to include research on student learning and teaching and also teaching. Um, so to, to find back to this research and connect research with education development practice, this I would say is maybe also something that I'm kind of proud of. That's
1: super interesting to hear. I think it's a brave step to step out of research and then uh, even to come back to it. And um, could you tell us about a person or a mentor who made an impact on you or set you on
0: the present path? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I just said that <laughs> I, I, after I finished my PhD or when finishing my PhD, I wanted to leave research. Uh, this was not because of my PhD supervisor, because he is actually the person who set me on my general, maybe academic path. So it was not about him as a person, it was really more about the field. And this PhD supervisor, Roland, he really uh, had a huge impact on me. I'm not sure that he knows uh, how big his, the impact was. Uh, the way he did and does research... Uh, these uh, critical questions, uh, going further in being critical about your own work especially. I mean it's easy to be critical about somebody else's work, but really to be critical about your own work, to to look further, to look for for possible criticisms of your work. Uh, Until today this has a strong impact on the way how I think about academic things, um, concepts, research, and also I hope at least when I think uh, also on the way how I do research. And there's another person that I think has a, has had and still mm-hmm. has an impact on me during my time as a, a junior professor, uh, which is the equivalent in Germany to the assistant professor. I, uh, by myself, I asked an established colleague from a totally different field, but my university, and University, I asked her to become my mentor kind of so it was outside any uh, official mentor scheme and and nothing official so to speak it was very inofficial. and what we did actually we met once a semester for coffee, for lunch and we talked about things that bothered me and I really received a lot of important and also interesting advice from her. so um, one of the <clears throat> things why one of the reasons why I kept on with my way and also with some of my topics research topics, was actually because of advice that she gave me from based on her experiences in, as I said, a totally different field. Oh, wow, really interesting. Um,
1: um, Let's move on to the second field, Um, the research in your field and also your future research. What do you think what have been the major changes in your field of
0: research since you've been working on it? Yeah, this, I think there's a lot of developments, many developments. And one important one, I guess, is that there's a generally higher standard now for high quality mm-hmm. research. So um, maybe also connected to maybe stronger competition. So there's more competition or is stronger competition. So one example for this is the... Uh, use of more advanced statistical methods in quantitative research. But I think there's also there's a parallel development in qualitative empirical research. So really that you have to defend or to, to, to be clearer and more advanced and more um, uh, clear about what you do and how you do this and that you really need a lot more statistical, for instance, knowledge and expertise than, for instance, what I uh, received during my uh, time as a student. Um, and topic-wise or content-wise, I think the topics have broadened also a bit. So, for instance, one of my topics, emotions, is much broader now. There's much more research on this and man- many more um, perspectives on, on, on the emotion topics than now, than it was before. So, um, I do think that there's some kind of differentiation and and maybe even divergence somehow in in terms of content, research content, and generally higher level of um yeah, standards when it comes to research quality and and methods.
1: Would you say that this applies both to the field of educational psychology, where you are at home, as well as academic development, which is also one of your big fields? Yeah,
0: I would say this applies to both. Maybe a bit more to psychology because, I mean, within the, say, more classical maybe fields such as psychology, there's a, because there has been a strong base basis already in in terms of methodology and and thinking and expertise about methods. But in academic development, I would say as well, it also applies to this because we, for instance, in the field of uh, the scholarship of teaching and learning, we are seeing now more advanced or more deeper reflections, more advanced methods. Yeah, I think it applies to this as well. Great, thanks.
1: Um, what are you currently working on? What consumes your time and energy? What are you fascinated about?
0: One of the topics that I'm currently working on, and I think it will work on more in the future even, is um, how we can combine research about university teaching and learning with the actual practice. So this is something that really bothers me and is really going around and around in my head and also in my, I guess, also my work. How we can make use of we know of what we know from research, but also how we can make use of practice and experiences and um, things and knowledge that comes from teaching and learning practice in university level for research. And I already mentioned the scholarship of teaching and learning. This is one mm-hmm. of the maybe potential ways to go, but of course there's a number of other ways. And um, this is one of the things that already, yeah, keeps me up somehow, but also um, will do this in the future. And another element, another aspect is the interpersonal in teaching and learning. So as I already mentioned, university teachers' emotions and students' emotions, you mentioned this also, is one of my topics. And I think especially in these fields, so motivation, emotion, when it comes to instructional practice, we have a tradition of looking on one of the two, sides, so to speak, so on this, on the teachers, on the students. But uh, connecting both perspectives, this is one of the topics for the future and present.
1: I think that's fascinating and valuable work to be some sort of bridge builder um, between theory and practice, but also between different fields. Um, you already mentioned it. Um, in your opinion, what will be the most important questions you're continuing to work
0: on? What are your next goals regarding the research? What will the future bring for you? Yeah. Uh, maybe I have to mention that I basically just one year ago have started a new position here at Bergen. Um, and uh, this still means... so I'm still in a kind of a transition period, you could say. And this still means for me that um, I'm still looking for a good balance between following older, so to speak, topics and developing new topics. So older topics such as emotions, this will uh, follow me and I, I, will, I will continue working on these. But then you also mentioned this in the beginning, work on curriculum level, study program level. This is maybe a more, still a more newer or more more uh, recent topic for me. And then, of course, on a more general note, um, applying for research grants. I mean, not successfully applying for research grants, of course. Less uh, because this is a good exercise by itself, because it is. Mm. But really more to uh, in order to be able to continue working on these topics and also broaden topics so these could be two maybe potential answers to your question
1: Uh, thanks for your insights there Uh, let's come to our third and final uh, topic or thematic area Um, it's about your involvement in early and potential advice you might have for younger researchers what does being a part of early mean to you and what are your most memorable experiences? What does being a part of EARLY mean to you and what are your most memorable experiences
0: when you think of EARLY? Yeah, EARLY is many things for me. It means many things. Um, first, it's like a home. It feels like a home when I think about doing research and higher education, maybe in education in general, but especially in my field in higher education. Um, it's a reference, a standard. So when you go to conferences and you learn about what other people do, how they do it. I already talked about the Stand, rising standards, uh, so to say, of research. And also it's inspiration of what is possible. So when you see what other people do and you learn from this and you get new ideas, new inspiration, it's um, it's this community. And there's many things. So early really means many things for me. And memorable experiences, yeah, usually <laughs> these are the conferences, mm. uh, I would say, so meetings, conferences, and just to mention too, there was this, uh, the big, so to speak, early conference in Cyprus some years ago. This is really a very memorable and for many reasons. And uh, then the other one, the special could, interest… Sorry, could you name yeah. a few of those? <laughs> yeah, in addition to, to um, say, academic experiences and insights on on topics, for instance, we had a symposium on, on emotions in higher education. There's also this this whole feeling, so really going to a place together with colleagues that you cherish, that you that you like, that you that you value, experiencing a new place, uh, enjoying time in a good atmosphere. In this case, it was in the summer, August summer in Cyprus. So <laughs> I won't oh, say wow. more. Um, and another example is the um, the conference of the early special interest group four, two thousand eighteen, uh, in Gießen in Germany, which I was. Uh, uh, a co-organizer of and this is memorable because you put so much effort into the work you put i don't have to tell you of course um, you put so much effort into this you organize so many things you work so hard for this and then actually it's happening and uh, these moments when you see that it's happening and that concepts work so for instance we tried de- we tried to develop a new mm. conference format and we saw that it worked more or less of course there's always things to improve uh, so this is really memorable. This is really, really nice, really, really positive. And then also everything else uh, in in early. So I've, I think you've mentioned it that I've been uh, early Sig4 organizer, um, coordinator, coordinator of Sig4, <laughs> <laughs> coordinator uh, for a while. And this continuous collaboration. So mm-hmm. this this uh, working together with colleagues from other countries within Europe. Um, learning about different contexts, learning about different research approaches, their conditions, their current challenges maybe even. Uh, So we had, I collaborated with people from totally different countries uh, which really, really had challenges at that time within regards the higher education system. So universities being closed and universities being threatened. So this is one of the really valuable things about early. In addition to all the academic things, you really try or begin to understand what it is for other people, how it feels, how it, what it is for other people to work in another university system. That resonates
1: a lot with me. Um, could you give some advice for future higher
0: education researchers? What would that be? Your top tips? Hmm. Yeah, I have three. Um, I would say first, of course, get involved with organizations such as EARLY. Um, and also I would say do it as early as possible so as early as possible Um, and the reason is this community building this meeting people uh, I think many of these organizations nowadays have uh, junior organizations or conferences for junior members so this is my first my second one is um, more related towards research itself is actually finding a good balance between focus and breadth and you know, depth, becoming an expert in a in a, in a topic in a in, in regards maybe a different or a research methodology, a topic, a special content, a question. Yes, it's important, but don't forget the breadth. I mean, for instance, in Germany, when you apply for a professorship, you are actually expected to cover the field in your teachings. And how can you cover the field if? you know you have worked for many years on one very small maybe specific topic or content then it may be harder to argue for this and also it's really interesting it's really interesting to to look out for other topics for other things that are related to your to your field of course Um, so find a good balance between depth or focus and breadth and the third uh, is maybe a bit i don't know maybe a bit uh, brave to say this uh, in an interview uh, with or when we talk about research but actually research is not everything so yes research is a foundation of a career no question about this but uh, when and if you apply for things like professorships you need competences and insight into things that are other than research this is teaching this is administration This is understanding and managing colleagues, such as supervisors, departments. This is even micro-political competences, maybe skills, so negotiating with with things. And I think that these kind of competences or skills are often, yeah, we don't really talk about this so much. And I think in addition to the research, competences, skills, and experiences, you also need to develop these competences.
1: For instance, leadership skills, etc. Exactly. Wow. Thanks for the great advice. Uh, Thank you so much for your valuable insights and reflections. It was a pleasure listening to you. I hope that all of our listeners appreciate this episode as much as I did. And thanks again for taking your time. And I hope you have a wonderful week.
0: Thank you. Same to you. This is a podcast produced by the European Association for Research on Learning and Instruction in collaboration with the Institute of Business Education and Educational Management and the Media Lab at the University of St. Gallen. Thank you for listening and see you in the next episode.
1: Bye-bye.